This is Two Shy Guys a Mile High, and we're going to run it light through. Right? Or you know, oh, that's my church. You don't even know who the pastor is. Yeah, but your family been at that church. Mm -hmm. So, but let's shift gears. Now, what you said, now that's a whole nother talk. We, 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 I'm we, here for it. I got my team. We're going to get there eventually. I'm here for it. We're going to get there eventually. <laughs> so I, think, I hope I, I answer your question. Yeah, you answered my question. I think Phil has something. Come on, Phil. Phil. Chi-Town. Hey, Chi-Town Finest, yeah. man. So. He will, aka Mr. Feel Good, making him feel good all day. So, uh, coming from Chicago, shot town, you know it's right. So, just like uh, the architect here. So, just coming from there, inner city Chicago, born and raised, went to Thornton High School down Southside, Riverdale. So, just coming from there, experiencing the whole transition of life from Chicago, and then moving, taking the opportunity yeah. to come to Seattle. And then, you know, I'm always used to being on my 360. What that is, is just, you know, checking your surroundings, making sure everything Head on the good. swivel is what I call it is. Protect your neck. Protect your neck, for real. So, uh, just being from there, just realizing, you know, different situations, coming into new neighborhoods, new hoods. And then, like you said, relationships with people. And it doesn't have to be like that type of relationships, but any relationship that you meet. So if you meet somebody, you have an altercation or your own interaction or whatever the case may be. How do you go about uh, building those relationships with folks from different places? So I know a lot of people, if you're from Seattle or you visit Seattle, you hear the term Seattle freeze. And I know we had a general conversation yeah. about that before, but... I wish I could remember what we said, because it was a good conversation. <laughs> right, yeah, right now. So, like, uh, just a Seattle freeze, what, what is your takes on that? And then uh, I just want to get in a general conversation about the Seattle freeze from my perspective and then from yours as well. So, so real talk, I remember we were talking about this a few months ago, mm -hmm. and I had first heard the phrase, I don't want to say recently then, but it was new to me. And then I was asking some of my transplant friends, is that real? And they were like, hell yeah. Message. <laughs> <laughs> and so just for sake of the broadcast, uh, shout out, define the, the Seattle freeze. So from, from when I was taught Seattle freeze, so like I said, come from Chicago, I've been out here eight years now. And the Seattle freeze that was taught to me is like, oh man, you live in Seattle? I heard a lot of people are real cliquish. They use the word cliquish. So it's like, if you're not from here, a lot of people grew up, they went to high school together, they played sports, did rotary, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and, you know, they already got their inner circle of folks that they hang out with. And then they don't have a, not saying they, because some do. Like I said, Speak I- Speak the truth, man. Speak yeah, the truth. Because I came out here and it was a different perspective for me. Like, when I started my job, I met with one of my frat brothers, C. Scott. You know, Shut shout up. out to Chris Scott. Yeah, Chris Scott. Five Better Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. I know. You had I'm to not... say all that. Yeah. I know Chris, <laughs> Chris the homie. Yeah, yeah. I'll let y'all do the capital stuff. So I got to <laughs> put a little bit of Sigma stuff on here too. But no, I, I linked up with him and he's just a good brother from the city and he was able Salt to- Salt of the earth. He was able to show me around folks and get me connected with a lot of folks around here. And that's how I built my, uh, my, my circle of folks that I was dealing with. And then I met other people just 
from Chi Town hooping on the court. Yes, will, will you know, WB come fly with me? So I didn't really see the term Seattle Freeze because okay. the folks that I was around treated me just like you know his family. Yeah. I, you know, I was able to link up with yeah. their brothers, you know, initially. Yeah. But I heard the fact because I know someone else that came out here and they had a hard time getting yeah. in and getting yeah. acquainted yeah. because, you know, just different, for, you know, whatever happens for, for them. But from the same place where I came from. So what I seen with Seattle Freeze or what I heard from Seattle Freeze was just the clickish folks won't connect with the transplants because, you know, either you don't build that you don't have that bond with them growing up. Or it's just like they don't you know, stay they long enough, yeah. maybe to to build that. Is that so? So, so yes, guilty as charged. <laughs> don't play it. In, don't play this in Seattle, because I didn't realize it till I realized it. Mm. Now I would say to my transplant friends, you need to understand how it came about, because I would argue that the Pacific Northwest is actually the most welcoming and hospitable part of the country. The South has a legitimate argument, but I would argue they're more charming. But if you ain't from Texas, they got a sign that says, don't mess with Texas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on, talk to me. <laughs> uh, the South is charming. They'll feed you. You, you yeah. always have somewhere to mess with Yeah. But you'll always be non-Southern. Hell, that's what the Civil War is. <laughs> that's what the Mason-Dixon, you ain't from around these parts, it's your boy. The Northwest, particularly the African-American community, all of us are transplants. Wow. Ain't none of us from here, right? Migration to the Northwest for the African-American came after World War I, World War II. Mm -hmm. Came with the military, the army, and Boeing. Right? Now, my great aunt, was one of the first black Rosie the Riveter in World War II at the Boeing plant. So that's how black people tend to got here. Fleeing the South, uh, LA was saturated. People came from the Southwest mm -hmm. toward LA, Lockheed, Long Beach, Shipyards, Compton, and the military. Then they make their way north from there. Mm -hmm. So just background. Now, Boeing, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and I'm missing some of the major ones. Nordstrom's, Facebook, Starbucks, Nintendo, Starbucks, <laughs> Facebook. Facebook. These are what Boeing was, what Fort Lewis was mm -hmm. in 45. I say that to say this. Even when I graduated from college, we all were going to, this is going to sound like a dinosaur to you guys, IBM. Mm -hmm and all these major manufacturers. Mm -hmm. But we were trying to go to Chicago, New York. We were trying to get out of here. <laughs> right? And then the dot-com industry shifted in silicon and came up here. I mean, with, between Microsoft and all. So you bring all these people. But here it is. In the upwardly mobile, yuppie, and buppy movement. <laughs> folk from Chicago, Denver, where you from? Chicago. Chicago, yes, Detroit, um, New York, D.C., ATL, all start coming out here. Mm -hmm. College cats, grads, frat, Mason, all of that. They come here for the internship, for the job, for the entry level, or you know, early entry level. Um, and they come. Seattle, Pacific Northwest has always been welcome and hospitable. What happens is you got three or four generations of upwardly mobile people moving through here. Mm -hmm. Here's what happens. 
we ended up making friends. We are an authentic people. See, being in New, in New York, East Coast, D.C., Dallas, all, people tend to talk up a good game. And they like to name drop and all that. We don't really do that out here. Actually, if you see somebody doing that around here, trying to make relationship or drama, they're actually, you're actually about to start to freeze. Because we, do, we don't get down like that. We actually have authentic relationships. And it tends to rub people like, but we do. But the downside of that is when you're upwardly mobile and you come in and out, and you, y'all generation goes to the next highest paying job. My generation was looking for a job with the biggest pension and retirement mm -hmm. plan. We don't even have that anymore. We get the bag. And then move on. Wait, the whole time when you get the bag, when you came here, you're looking for the next big bag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now what happens is you Phi Beta Sigma. You come, you connect with uh, uh, Zeta Lambda mm -hmm. here at University of Washington, Chris and them guys, all them. And it is what it is. Next thing you know, we don't got a relationship. You officer in the chapter, we hang in the social. You you done moved to Mobile. That happens so often that now when people come gung ho to Seattle, we're standoffish. Not like New Yorkers who recognize people who ain't from New York and be like tourists. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like this. We'll show you around it, but we You know you finna leave soon. Don't want to get too attached. So when when you've had several, dare I say, generations of temporal relationships where you've given sincere connect, you stop having them. Because yeah. I don't care what you say when you got here. Oh, I got the good job at Google. I'm in Fremont. We're doing this, that, and the other, this, that, and the other. I know you're going to be here five years. So if you're going to be here five years, what type of reception do you expect to get from me? Five years is the over, probably. The old, <laughs> and depending on how old true, you are. Because yeah. how old are you guys now? You guys are grown now. Yeah. 30s. 33. Yeah. So, if when, when uh, Amazon moved to Virginia, where's their second site? Did they uh -huh. move? DC? Yeah, outside DC. Mm -hmm. Now, outside DC, you can make Seattle money and spend less. Inside D.C., you make Seattle money, you still broke. Um, so Amazon calls a 33-year-old, and they finna pay you $40,000 more than what you're making right now. You're out of here. What happens to the podcast? What happens to the kinship? Well, the podcast still going on. We're going to still keep yeah, 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 The yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. still going on. We gonna make it. We gonna make it. And, and because well, you can do that. But my point is... Yeah. <laughs> And so that has what's become, and the reason I know you, you're a fraternity man, we're fraternity men, you've seen it. Yep. One of the most unstable chapters in our fraternity out here is Tacoma alumni. Why? Because it's primarily Fort Lewis and McCord. Mm -hmm. They're there three years, and then they cycle out. Now you got new guys, new troops, new airmen coming. If that does that to your local chapter, what do you think does it to the whole community? Mm -hmm. You bought a house in the neighborhood. We want to be neighbors. We connect with you. Three years, you done flipped it because you're... So, so the next neighbor that comes in... Yeah, we don't Why know what we're getting. I mean, here goes the sweet potato pie, and I'm going to show you where the barbershop is, and there's three or four different good churches. Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, we'll point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Why? Because now you're asking me to invest social equity into you mm, wow. and you and I both know 
We're not investing long-term equity mm-hmm. in temporal day stocks. He's <laughs> up some bars. That's yeah, the yeah, yeah. that's the essence of Seattle Freeze. But here it is. If you give you two ways to bridge it. If you're interested in bridging that with the Seattle people you meet, if you, him and her, click, be transparent with your goals and aspirations. What I know about the Northwest, they'll help you get there. And they'll love you to it and through it. Show you how, because Seattle, this region is a different beast. How you operate in Denver, a little bit, same. Chicago, New York, these cats come out here and think because we out here, no, no, no. What happens is you don't know how this thing works out here. It just works different. And Seattle folk will help you navigate that. Real talk. That's real. That's real. That's real talk. But if you say, hey, man, I got this position, and I'm, I'm going to try to use it for this next position, they'll, they'll help you with that. It's when we, I don't even say you owe people that, but as you start connecting, you'll bridge that. Yeah. Or two, allow yourself to set roots somewhere. Yeah. Church, frat chapter, Mason Lodge, community work, and people will see you know, that you're rooted. That's that's the it we're not we're not like New Yorkers who think and no shout shout out to New York. When, if I get some real money, some like Will Bradford money, <laughs> I get me a little place up in He's proclaiming it. Well, and yeah. I and promise he talk talk about my shout out. Yes sir, yes sir. That, that's Hebrew for I'll give fit. me the bag, Lord. <laughs> uh, if I came into some real money, I know I would buy me somewhere up in up in Manhattan, Harlem, uh, uh, up in Washington Heights somewhere. But New Yorkers have a way of telling who's not from New York. Mm-hmm. See, I'm not really like that. We can tell when you're not from here, but if the freeze is dealing with more, you ain't going to be here, and I'm going to still be here. And I'll give you an example. My kids, 35, 25, and 19. So when we were you guys' age, the last two were being born. Mm-hmm. 30, 28, 30. Um, and we met great friends in church and the community. We, Cap and my wife's in the room. So we're in that circle. But when you got little kids, these people that you do tea, golf, and barbecues with become extensions of your family. Mm-hmm. And uncle so-and-so's now gone. Auntie such-and-such is now gone. To my three-year-old, to my five-year-old, that's grief. Mm-hmm. The Seattle Freeze is born in social grief. Hmm. of relational equity that was poured into unknowing temporal relationships. And so what happens to the heart that grieves? It's reluctant to love. Man, that's deep. Man, that's... Did this, that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that knocked it out the park, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, and I, I represent the six, man, no, so no. I'm biased. No, no, no. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I know. No, that's real. Because you, you put in time, and then you put in, you can't get time back. So yeah. the time that yeah. you put into those relationships... And I, I dare not say it's wasted. Right. But you, you ever dated a girl? Oh, y'all all married. I'm not married yet. Okay, I'm talking to you. Y'all shut up. <laughs> Don't get you in trouble. Plead the fifth. Yeah, you dated a girl... <laughs> who got hurt by our last boyfriend, and you end up having to swim through that mud. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think they're trying to get rid of it. And understanding how we're wired different. Like, I went to a Franklin Garfield game. You guys have no idea what that is. Those are the hood rivalries. Franklin, Garfield, Rainer Beach. Beach. 
but historically it's Franklin Garfield. You go up to this old church mother, 70, 80 years old, bagging, mm. talking smack. They on the same motherboard at the church. <laughs> Not today. Mm-hmm. They going at it. Because it's Seattle where you went to high school matter. And you ride. Right. South, South End and Central District. Come on, man. Now, I'm old enough to remember that it it, it it wasn't always South End Central District. It was usually your school. Right. Why? Because at one point, all black people lived in the Central District because that was the red line. That was the only place you could live. Wow. Yep. And then those boundaries loosened when black people started getting money. Mm-hmm. And you can move further south. You couldn't move further north. The irony is my parents moved north. They came into some large sums of drug money. We moved from, but I say that to say this. So when I grew up in the seventies and eighties, there wasn't no South End. I mean, yeah. it is, but you could go wherever yeah. you wanted to go. Your cousins, them was your cousins. Mm-hmm. Everybody lived at Granny House in the Central, mm-hmm. and then Auntie and them got a house in Rainy Beach, right. Beacon Hill. Beacon Hill used to be all Asian. Um, so they they weren't banging. There weren't no gangs, but they weren't banging South in the Central. High you school. you banged your high school. Watch this. And everybody my age is going to testify when they hear this. And you banged your little league teams. Hmm. Yep. So our pride was in your baseball team, your little league football team, Rainier CAY, your track team. Basketball is God here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It used to be track and baseball when I was little. Yeah. And then it became football, then basketball. But Seattle was a track baseball hmm. epicenter. Then football, we were sending cats to the league. But it wasn't always South and Central. It was, I played at Rainier, you played at CAY, I went to Franklin, you went to South, you went to Garver. We, we, I'm 56, we still talk cash trash. You know, the stories get bigger the further you are, right? It was a JV game, I had eight points and 10 rebounds. But by now, it was the state finals, I had 27 and 15. You know, you know how the story goes. But that's where those clicks came. But those weren't cliques that were insurmountable. Yeah. My Garfield friends are still my friends. Yeah. We hate on each other all day till we blew in the face. But here's the problem. I used to be at Garfield so much when I was at Franklin, yeah. right, that their, their administrators, what you doing? Yeah. What you yeah. doing? Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that volatile, but it, we clicked up. It wasn't. It wasn't regional. It was. It was around when I grew up. It was around who you played for, mm-hmm. and and they had track and gymnastics was a big deal out here. That scat team, mm-hmm. and they bang, and and and, and, and more, you know the eighties drug game did ruin all that. <laughs> Since you, I mean we are on a. I don't go too far. No, no, we are. We're, I, I'm just we're just letting the conversation Come on, happen. I'm gonna rock with you. You know what I'm saying? And he said he got his team. I told you to give me that green tea. I'm doing double jacks. Doing double jacks. He's live. Um, so since you are from here, yeah. you talked about some of the the central district yeah. and where the black people used yeah. to stay. It's not necessarily like that now, but from your oh, perspective. Wow. Can you just explain to some of the listeners who may not be here about the dynamics of how everything shifted from the central district and gentrification and, and how things are looking different to where it is at right now and how it's to the point that thing I asked you the other day is like, I can barely even recognize some of these areas. I remember recently going through my neighborhood, old neighborhood. I was born on 23rd and Pie. If you don't know what that is, um, 
You know, in 23rd and Union, your Uncle Ike shop is. I mm. know you know where that is. I don't know about all that, but I do know where that, you know what I'm saying? I've heard of it. I know Tabernacle Missionary Baptist yeah. Church. That's Shout right. out to them. You know where Mount Calvary Church is? Yeah. Right next to Uncle Ike's. Um, <laughs> if you go a block and a half north of that, there's a house on the corner. That's where I lived when I was born. Mm. So I'm from 23rd Pine. Live 34th and Union up by where Madrona is. So I'm so central. I say that to say, my daddy lived 30th, 30th and Howe is a valley, Valley Hood. Valley Hood in the building. So I spend my time. Bounce between all. So the whole hood is mine. <laughs> right? Because my cousins lived on 21st. My wife grew up on 21st. But I say that to say this. I was just in my whole neighborhood. And they looked at me like I ain't got no business being there. Hmm. <laughs> I can't even tell you how I felt because I'm saved and I'm a man to God and I can't tell you. <laughs> I started just go pee on the light pole. And the <laughs> you know. um, so that's real. Yeah. Um, my response is varied. I remember being young, like who <clears throat> played ball on the east side or whatever. All the grass in the park of Mercer Island is green. The grass in our park brown. Why don't all the grass over here? Don't all the grass over there? Uh, you know, that type of stuff. You go play in the gym, they got fluorescent lights, and we got light bulbs, you know. <laughs> 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 and you start asking, you know, dang, I wish they spend more money in the hood. Hmm. Be careful. Mm. Because that money is tax money, and that comes from property purchased in your neighborhood. Hmm. Now, if y'all not buying the property in the neighborhood, you can't get mad at who is. And so, hence, gentrification isn't all rooted in racism. I came up in the 70s when all the white folks moved out of the city. Suburbs were the place to be. I hustled in the 80s where those grandparents' houses were left to crackhead kids who tricked it off. Big Papa died. Grandma and them couldn't keep up with the taxes, they lose the house. Yeah. Right? And then you had a, a generation of, of us who were strung out that couldn't manage the generational wealth. And at that point, generational wealth was the real estate. Hmm. So here it is. The gentrified property, they got it as a steal as those sub suburbanites moved back to the city. Cold thing is, I've watched them transform the PTA even before they had children. Hmm. My daughters were at Leshy. This gentrification that you see now was in full swing. You had these young urban folk who didn't look like us, but didn't have kids yet, or they had babies. Mm -hmm. But they were at the PTSA in the neighborhood because they lived in the neighborhood because they was making changes in the schools the changes. so that that change is already there when they're... By the time the kids get older. Mm -hmm. yep. So let me get this straight. We've been on Madrona the whole time and we wasn't driving. We didn't have visionary focus on that. So yes, but remember, we have been praying that more money would be spent in the neighborhood. I just didn't think that meant us getting out of it. Mm. So, beloved, we have to pass the generational wealth to our children while training them how to be stewards of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to judge right now. And I say right now because I'll judge later. Mm. 
as someone who was in the game, I need you to understand if someone's listening and they got a side hustle that might be a little left of right, just, um, <laughs> you know right from wrong. So I'm not, we're not going to have that conversation now. What I'm telling you is the game was never to be a long-term career. The game was designed to be a stimulus package to finance whatever righteous dream you may have had. Stay with me. You got a sack or a pack to flip for a short run to make whatever your goal was so you can go open your restaurant. You could go open your real estate floor. You could. Mm -hmm. What happened is we got addicted to the lifestyle. We don't even have goals in our hustle. We're addicted to the hustling lifestyle where we'll rather look like successful hustlers than ever have a, a hustle that has goal orientations and benchmarks where you can quantitatively define your progress and exit strategy. What does that say? You don't have a taco stand in the neighborhood. You ain't got the car wash in the neighborhood. You didn't buy your grandmother's house. Bro, what the hell is you hustling for? <laughs> You hustling, you taking penitentiary chances selling nicks and dimes and ounces and quarters and your grandmama losing a house? Backwards hustling. Backwards hustling. You hustling backwards because you're not gold. You didn't, didn't nobody lace you with this. Mm -hmm. That's why I appreciate the podcast. So when you start talking about bars and stars in the hood, listen, I don't care how you get it. I do, but I'm saying I know where you at. Look, engage your righteous mind. What I do know about America is you can go buy your neighborhood back. Mm -hmm. You just need to have some money. Yeah. Stop buying J's. Take their 250 400 that you're paying for $150 shoe because you got to buy them second and third hand. Put that together. Go flip it. Hell, you ain't got to flip it on a sack. You can flip it on Robin Hood. You can flip it, flip it in Fidelity. Mm -hmm. yeah. I bought Eli, Eli Lilly stock two, three weeks ago at $40. That thing closed in at 219 on Friday. Nice. Woo! Nice. You hear what I said? Yeah, that's a yeah. That's a good game. That's that's cold. We took the mission fund, we had a what's it called? Restricted fund for the mission. Because our church is missional. We use our money to do the work local, regional, and international. Of that mission fund, twenty thousand is restricted. You can't touch it. And there's 20000 you can invest in. We took a couple of thousand a few years ago, bought Eli Lilly. Last week, that thing went from 40 to 219 It showed up as a 246% profit. There you go. You ain't got to take penitentiary chances. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a risk you can lose it. There's a risk you can get arrested. But I'm saying, what you going to do with your grandmama? What you going to do with your ATL? When you go to buy a new house, why don't you sell your old house to somebody in your family? So when they go to finance a house, if they're going to pay a 30-year, 15-year mortgage to the bank, the bank's going to cash them out. Why don't you take that money, keep it in the family? So the only thing the family loses is the interest that they got to pay to pay because the rest of that money stays in the family. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking a hypothetical. I got a guy in my church did the same thing, bought three houses. The house they grew up in, they sold it to their oldest daughter, bought a bigger house. 
He gets ready to retire, wants to build his retirement house. He sells this house to the daughter who bought the first house. She buys this one, sells it to her brother. They use the capital to build from scratch this one. Nice. The brother who bought this one moved in with mom and dad. They all grown. Big old house. Rents this out. Very nice. Bought a condo downtown. Then moved back home with mama. Owns the house and the condo. He's single. He ain't got no children. All four of those properties are still in the family. From what I heard, he sold the condo. That's epic right there. And this market too, that's that's big game. So that's Here's the right problem. You're spending more than that on rent. Yeah. So when we start talking about gentrification, we're part of the problem. Don't be, mm. Let us not be co-conspirators with those who would subject us. So, yeah, I came up with we were praying for money to come in the hood. But with that comes strings. We need to work at keeping money within. That we just celebrated 100 years of the Wall Street Black Wall Street. They said prior to burning it down, which is probably why they burned it down, the dollar circulated 17 times in that community before it left. We making more money than we ever made, but we spend it more too. I don't know if we we'll, uh, it's tough because those little things right there, it makes it hard to recover from. And there's um, multi-generational effects. Yeah. And then it leaves you those mental scars, like you said, that baggage from the past. Yeah. As black people, oh, if we build it up and we do this, this is what's going to happen. They're just going to strip it away. They're just going to burn it down. They're just going to do it. cause something to go wrong where yeah. it'll just all go away. And, and, and I'm with that. But you get, we have to overcome that. Yeah. And we've already overcome it. We have never succumbed to the defeatist mentality. Because here's what made Tulsa go real bad, is those black men grab their guns too to defend it. So when you hear the narrative law and order, yeah, as long as the law fits your world order. Hmm. <laughs> but when you hear a certain segment of the conservative demographic talk about Second Amendment rights, they're not talking about yours, but protect yours. Now, when you stand up to protect yours, that changes the narrative. But the point is, if you coming to get mine, are you willing to bet your life on it? Because that's what it's going to cost you.